Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Is all praise. I'm going to start here this morning. You're going to go, you know what? I don't know where he's headed. I think it was 1890 or 1891. There was a, a whaler, a whale fisherman from England. They were in the Falkland Islands, 1890 or 1891. And there was a sperm whale there. You know, one of the whales like you see in the movie, like in the movie uh, Moby Dick or something. A huge whale. And they were, they were harvesting whales, basically catching them. And I, the story is that the whale knew that these guys were out to get it, and they'd been attacking the whale's family, perhaps. Well, this guy was at the edge of the ship, supposedly, and the whale had hit the side of the ship, and he fell and was swallowed by the whale. Real story. For those that say Jonah and the whale didn't happen, or Jonah and the big fish, the large fish, because Scripture just says large fish. Well, he fell into this fish's mouth, and I don't know how the sailors got this fish the same day, or no, it wasn't the same day, it was 36 hours later, because the guy spent 36 hours in the belly, belly of a whale. Supposedly, here's a good one for you, you'll never forget this message. Supposedly, the whale died of constipation. He could not pass this human man through his bowels, so I guess it killed the whale. They got the whale, and the whale was dead. It was, temperatures were warming up, so they had to open the whale quickly, and because they opened the whale up quickly, they found their, their buddy in there. Now, he was bleached whiter than a regular white guy because of the gastric juices from the, stu- the whale's stomach. And he w- supposedly he went blind. He could never see again. He did not live long either. I think he lived to be 39 years of age. At the time, he was <clears throat> 21, I think. So you'll never forget about James Bartley, a real-life Jonah-type story. He spent 36 hours in the belly of a whale. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Jonah. And if you'll recall, Jonah was the prophet, Jonah, son of Amittai. He lived during the reign of Jeroboam II. He was from northern Israel. And Jonah had offered, or he had offered prophecies, like how fun is this, to offer a prophecy to your nation that God is going to re-expand your borders to the time of their glory. So during Jonah's life, he prophesied that Israel's boundaries were going to increase back to the size they were under David and Solomon. So he was a celebrity prophet, as you will. Can you imagine if I show up on the scene, I start telling all you guys, you're going to be rich, you're going to be rich, you're going to be rich, God's going to give you everything you ever wanted. You're going to, and it starts happening, I'm going to be a pretty cool prophet, huh? So Jonah's kind of like a celebrity prophet, Jonah, son of Amittai. Well, we get to the book of Jonah, and it's a very unique book, and you've heard me tell this story. It's been a couple of years ago but during the classics. But Jonah is placed in a unique situation to go pronounce judgment on a city. And we don't know why he resisted God. He did not want to go do it. God told him, pronounce my judgment, tell them to repent. And if they'll repent, I will rescue them and I will not bring my judgment. I'll bring a blessing on them. We don't know if Jonah suspected that God was going to use the Assyrians to bring judgment on a wicked Israel in the future generations? We don't know. We don't know why he resisted. We don't know if he just hated the Assyrians. We don't know why, or because they had already given Israel some problems. So all of a sudden, this celebrity prophet is given an uncomfortable mission. 
Some of your lives have felt like an uncomfortable mission lately, haven't they? Sometimes we resist and we go the other way. Well, Jonah did that. He got on a ship. He headed the opposite direction. You guys know the story. The ship started to go through storms. Folks back then were very suspicious, or not suspicious, they were superstitious. They were probably suspicious too. Superstitious. They were very religious, even though they worshipped other gods. But after a while, they said, what's wrong with us? What's going on here? So they drew straws or cast lots, and they figured out the problems with Jonah. God led them to figure out the problems with Jonah. Jonah says, well, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the God of heaven, and he told me to go do something. I didn't. I went the other way. If you want to save yourselves and have the sea calm down, throw me overboard. The sailors, in their defense, they were pretty decent. They tried everything else. It didn't work. Finally, they said, well, we're going to have to throw him overboard. So they even praised God after they threw him overboard, and the storm stopped. So Jonah brought that on himself. People say, oh, God's rough. Well, Jonah put himself in a unique position. He was God's man, and he disobeyed completely. He ran the other way. Well, guess what? God sent, according to Hebrew, it says large fish. We say well, but God sent a large fish to swallow him, Jonah. So he was in the belly of a large fish for not 36 hours, which is a day and a half. How many days? Three days. All right. So very, very interesting. That's just some background. Let's go to Jonah chapter 2. I want to read you this chapter. It's short. Check this out. So he is in the belly of a whale, like the Newsboys song said, right? He's in the belly of the large fish. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. How many of you are claustrophobic? Raise your hand. Can you imagine? If you're not claustrophobic, it would probably give you claustrophobia. One of those traumatic situations that forces a new freaked out type thing on you. In the belly of a fish, we don't know how big it was. It may have been real cramped. It, the Bible just says large fish. See, people historically, they thought this is just a, a little tale. You know, it's a fairy tale. Uh-huh. But what about James Bartley? He was swallowed by a large fish or a whale, so it can happen. It happened. All right? So that just proves it. God just used that to prove it. We didn't need that as proof because God said in his word we believe it. So he's in the... The belly of a large fish, and he prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. How many of you feel like sometimes you're praying from inside of the fish? <laughs> you feel claustrophobic, you feel afraid. Oh my gosh, this dude is having stomach acid eat on him. They say it would have been crazy too when Jonah was eventually outside of the fish because he went to prophesy, and that gastric juice, it also eats hair off your head. So, eventually, you know, this is a spoiler warning. He's going to get, he's going to get, and no, I was not in the belly of a whale. But anyway, those of you thinking dumb thoughts, I'm just kidding. Just want to make you laugh. That's not a dumb thought. It's a, a funny thought. Imagine this prophet going to the city, and he's bleached white, real extra white, and has splotches. His clothes are torn up, and his hair's falling out, and it's stringy. He looks like Smeagol off Lord of the Rings. Me precious, right? Like, who knows how I look? Crazy. Because he was in a fish. This fish, the inside of this fish is trying to digest Jonah, and he decides, I'm going to pray to God. <clears throat> how many of you know sometimes 
it takes a tough situation to get you to pray. Maybe you've been there. I think, I think I've been there. I've always prayed, but there's times where a tough situation will really get you to pray. One man of God said years ago, he said, oh yeah, while you were really in that situation, you thought it was terrible, and it was, but man, you've never prayed and sought God like you did when you were in that situation. And here Jonah was in the belly of a large fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Really? He's still in the fish. Powerful. This is a, this is a, 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 a prayer of praise. He's saying, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. Yeah, he might as well be dead. I bet Jonah's ears hurt because the fish is swimming so low in the water. I bet he's having pressure problems with his ears. That's just a crazy situation. He says, I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. He's basically telling God in his prayer of praise, I know you've already heard me, and I thank you. And I thank you for rescuing me, basically. Wow, I thank you for hearing my prayer. You threw me into the ocean depths. Actually, it was some sailors, but God used some sailors, right? He's giving, he's, he's giving credit to God, though. He's saying, man, you threw me into the ocean depths. I was running from you. These sailors threw me overboard, and I got swallowed, man. And he said, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Oh, my gosh, what a trial. Sometimes our disobedience to God brings us a trial custom made for us. Sometimes you say, man, I've been seeking God, and this still happened. Well, Whatever it is, this trial is custom made for us and you can come through it. You can praise God through this. You can praise God through this. You're going to come out the other side. Then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. He's saying, God, man, I, I brought some crazy stuff on myself, but I'm going to be able to seek you. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to be out of here and look towards your temple. Basically, I'm going back home. I'm going back home. When I get out of this, I'm going back home. This is amazing. Look at verse 5. He says, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Terrifying. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Seaweed. You ever mess with spinach? Cook spinach? I would imagine that's what real wet seaweed is like. Long pieces of spinach. You know, it gets clingy. It's slimy. It's all around him. He's saying seaweed has wrapped itself around me. Verse 6, I sank down, he says again, to the very roots of the mountains. That is terrifying. He sank down to the roots of the mountains? Like he's giving us a word picture here. He says, I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. Like it looked hopeless. It looked hopeless. He's in the belly of a fish right now saying it looked hopeless. It looked hopeless. He says, but you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Jaws. I don't know if that's a play on words, whatever. Snatch me from the jaws of death. Verse 7, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. Sounds to me like perhaps he was dying down there. He could have been ready to give up and said, man, what have I brought on myself? I'm about to die. I'm about to go. But look, he says, as, I, as my life was slipping away, verse 7, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. See, you got to realize right now, we're way different from, from Jonah. We serve the same God, but God's holy temple is where now? Say, oh, it's at Kingsgate Church. It's at Centro Victoria on 300 East Marlin. It's the gym building. Next. No, God's holy temple is you now. 
You are where Jesus lives by the Holy Spirit. All right? So you are God's holy temple. And verse 8, look, he goes on to say this. I love this. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. How are you going to offer a sacrifice down in that fish? Well, when he gets out of it. And I will fulfill all my vows, he said. I'm going to keep my promises to you now, God, and I'm going to obey you. For my salvation comes from whom? From the Lord alone. Look at verse 10. After he'd praised him, after he'd praised him, look at what God did. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Man, talk about the weirdest beach vacation in history. A strange situation. So now he has stringy hair, looks like Smeagol, me precious. Me precious. And then he's just, he's got splotches. He's just nasty. I bet he smelled amazing too. I bet he smelled like body spray. Like Axe, right? Nah. Anybody in here ever thrown up? Ever been around someone who threw up and everybody around them wanted to throw up? Usually there's someone with a weak stomach that actually does throw up. So a, a fish vomiting this man out is not good. He stunk, he's nasty, but he came out of the trial, didn't he? We're not going to get into all the story of Jonah, but I'm going to tell you right now, what a man of courage at this point to be able to worship God from the stomach of a fish. You could say the belly of a whale, but he worshiped God right where he was. Now, I'm looking at you. Nobody walked in here with a fish covering the top half of their body. You have not been swallowed by a fish in your life. I can just about guarantee it. You've been some, through some hard stuff, though, haven't you? Some of you are still going through some hard stuff. I want to remind you today, as this series continues, to continue worshiping God. Why? Because here, I'm going to explain to you what real praise is today. Real praise is this. Real praise is a decision. Jonah was in the belly of the fish, and he decided, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to start thanking him for rescuing me, and I'm a long way from rescue. But in Jonah's faith, in Jonah's faith, he said, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for rescuing me. You can begin to tell the Lord that today. You can say, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for rescuing me. Now, once I said this earlier, I kind of alluded to this fact, but I believe every trial, no matter how it came about, is custom made for you to survive it, for you to overcome it, for you to walk through it, and for you to get to the other side of it a better person. You've heard me say this before, and I've said it many times. It bears repeating. You never come out of anything exactly the same. Ever. You don't just come out the same. People will tell you to, you're different. It may be, wow, you're different. Like, wow, you're not the same person. Or it'll be like, you're different. You're mean, you know. Some people come out of trials blaming God, and guess what? That is the root of all bitterness right there. Blaming God and making yourself the center of all this attention, saying it's all about me. Why did they do this to me? Why did God let this happen to me? Hey, life happens. Jesus said it. I've got to quote this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble in this world. But he said, be of good cheer. Be encouraged because I have overcome the world. You've gone through some stuff. Some of the things you've gone through will make people blush. Some of the things you've gone through will make people shudder. 
some of the things I've seen and heard and been exposed to would touch your heart, make you go, man, I don't know, that's crazy. But your trial has been custom made for you. Remember years ago, it was an email that was getting around. I remember when, when we first started emailing, Christian emails started before we had these cool cell phones. And people would send around these cool Christian emails. And I got one, it was probably the late 90s, probably 1998, 1999. And someone had sent me an email, I don't even remember who it was from. And they said, someone was having a conversation with the Lord. Maybe you remember this one. said, Lord, my cross is too heavy to carry. My cross is too heavy to carry. So the Lord said, I'll let you look in this room and pick another cross. And all the other crosses were more rugged and more jagged and larger and longer and bigger and heavier and more intimidating. And it was crazy when they looked and saw all the other burdens of the world and all the other crosses that people were carrying. They looked back at their cross and thought, wow, that was made just for me. It's made so I can carry it. It's heavy. It's tough, but it's nothing like some of these other crosses. It's like this, this meme that's been circulating lately. It shows Mel Gibson sitting next to the guy who played Jesus, right? In The Passion of the Christ. And he's all bloody because they're filming The Passion of the Christ. And Mel Gibson's talking to him and it looks like he's explaining something. And it says, this is like us trying to explain to Jesus how tough our lives are. Can you imagine sitting down with Jesus and he's all bloody from the cross. He's been through hell on earth like no one has ever experienced. Telling him, oh man, it's been tough. It's been tough. Somebody cussed at me at work. And he's going, uh-huh. Praise is a decision. I like the old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Some of you could have decided long ago to say, man, I'm, I ain't doing this anymore. I ain't doing this anymore. Scripture says, those that persevere or endure to the end shall be saved. So hold on. Keep walking the rope. Keep hanging in there. You say, man, I've got baggage. You don't know. I've got this. I've got that. Who doesn't keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and keep deciding to praise him? Like the old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Decide. Or people and circumstances will start making decisions for you. Decide. Decide now. Make a conscious decision in this service, right where you're sitting today, at the sound of my voice. And decide, as you follow Jesus, decide to praise Him. Decide to praise Him. Some of you are like, man, Pastor Matt, you don't even know. This is terrible what I'm going through. It's breaking my heart. I'm struggling with depression. Decide to praise Him. I've got another point that we're going to deal with depression here in a moment. Decide. Life or the enemy or circumstances, they can steal your joy unless you decide to praise. Today is the day you get your joy back. Today is the day you get your life back. I believe when you begin to praise, you get your life back. I brought up this example. My mom's had a long battle with her body. She just keeps believing God. And I, every time I'm there spending time with my mom, she starts to tell me how good God is. And she begins to praise God every single time I'm there. And she's struggled in her body. She needs a miracle. She's alive. She's defied all the odds. She shouldn't even be alive. She's a miracle. And she continues to praise God. Is someone forcing her to do that? No, it's a decision. 
This morning I came here and I praised God and I called out to God and I praised Him. Yesterday I praised Him. The day before I praised Him. I chose. Somebody say, I choose. Yeah, you can choose to praise God or not. Just like you can choose to be nice or not. Just like you chose to come to church or not. Praise is a decision. Look at point two today. Real praise is faith in action. It is faith in movement. It is faith in full swing. It's a rock-solid trust that God is in control of your life and future because you chose to serve Him. If you believe He's God and He's all-powerful, you'll praise Him. I want to challenge you today like we did last week. Thank you for taking notes. God bless you. Everybody set your stuff aside. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me. Let's praise God for our situation right now. Go ahead. Just praise Him in the midst of your situation. Just begin to praise Him just for a moment. Raise your hands and praise Him. I want to hear you whisper into the Lord. Just tell Him, Father, I praise you. I trust you, Lord. I lean on you. Your everlasting arms are surrounding me, God. I'm holding on to your hand. I'm with you, God. I know that you're for me. I know that you're about me, God. And I know that you died on the cross for me. Father, I trust you. I praise you. Just praise him and thank him for a moment. Just for a moment. Say, Father, thank you. Father, I give you glory. Father, I praise you today. Oh, God, we release praise in this house and worship and thankfulness and thanksgiving. We give you glory today, God. We bless your name, Father. We trust you. We thank you. We can't do it without you. But we lean on you today because you are mighty. You're holy. Even if we feel like we're in the belly of a, a large fish, God, we're going to worship you. We're going to praise you today, God, because you are all-powerful. Just praise him a moment longer. Say, man, but you don't know I have a pending court case. I'm dealing with taxes or child support. or I'm dealing with the ex. or I'm dealing with my, my husband. He, he won't straighten out and serve God. Or I'm dealing with my wife. Begin to praise God. Stop nagging them and praise God. Nagging will not help. Husbands or wives, goes both ways. Stop trying to control the situation. You surrendered control to the Lord a long time ago. Now praise Him because you made a decision. Now it's faith in action. Now trust Him. Somebody say, I trust you, Lord. Somebody say, I praise you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Please be seated this morning if you would. If you surrendered control to the Lord, then quit trying to control people around you. I don't know who that's for today. I don't know who that's for. I may borrow some points from Pastor Larry Stockstill soon, and I think he said six reasons on six reasons why you should stop trying to control your spouse immediately. <laughs> I may have to steal some of that. Give him credit. Real praise is point three today: a season changer. Have you noticed that wind around here signals a change? I know sometimes it's hot and it just stays hotter, it gets hotter. But a lot of the time, even here in Hobbs, New Mexico, this spring, you noticed it. It got windy last week and the temperature dropped again. It's signaling a season change, even if that change is not permanent yet. Because we know it's going to get warmer, but we've had days where it's cold, hot. Praise is like wind for your life. It brings in a season change. I'll never forget December, December of 2015. It was a Saturday. We went out in the backyard, wind started, and the temperature began to drop. And it dropped 30 degrees in, in probably 30 minutes, under an hour. It was 70 degrees. Do you guys remember that day? 
It dropped December 2015. It dropped and dropped and dropped. I think by that night it was like 8 degrees, and it was 70 when we were outside with the dogs. I was like, is it cold? Do you feel cold? I had a little short sleeve shirt on. The temperature is dropping and dropping. The wind was bringing a change. I want to tell you today and remind you and encourage you that the wind of your praise brings change. The wind of your praise changes your season. Praise changed Jonah's season. Some of you may say, no, God was going to do that anyway. No, God, it was a test. Now he was in the belly of a fish, and it was a test now. He could have told the Lord, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to prophesy. I'm not bringing a prophecy that, and, that there's going to be judgment unless they repent, and if they repent, they'll avoid judgment. I'm not going to tell them that. He would have died down there in that fish. I'm fully convinced. And then the fish would have vomited him up dead. That's gross. But you'll never forget that, that picture there. That praise changed Jonah's season. Praise changed David's season over and over again. Scripture, he talks about he's in the desert. I'm going to dry and weary and thirsty land. It's parched. And then all of a sudden we know that David went on to the next season. He, he had these terrible seasons where he's running from Saul. He's doing all these things. He's, he's fleeing different places. And he, he, his praise changed his season. God's done it for me. He's done it for you. Now, I know God's going to do it for me again. He's going to change my season again. So I know he's going to change your season again if you'll praise him. Are you with me? Let me say that again. He's done it for me, and he's done it for you. Because of his track record and his promises and the God that I know and serve, I know that if he's done it for me and you, he's going to do it for us again if you'll continue to praise him. Praise changed seasons. For Israel, when they were marching around Jericho praising God, it changed the season. They walked into the promised land. Jonah. Praise changed seasons throughout Scripture. Last thing here. Praise, I believe, is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. I believe praise fights fear. It's been proven to work. I sound like, I sound like those commercials for $19.99. Hey, it's been proven to work in my life. Why would it not work in your life? Praise can eradicate fear. You say, man, I'm still struggling with it. Well, keep praising. Praise fights depression, distress. I believe praise even fights lust. It'll, it'll give you victory over temptations or negative emotions. How? It focus, focuses all of your attention on God. It turns you back toward God. It invites His presence into your situation when you're struggling. So I know that praise is also a weapon. We saw in the Old Testament when the people of God would begin to praise, God would defeat the enemies. It happened in Jericho. It brought the walls down. It happened with King Jehoshaphat. Do you remember that? The Lord said, don't worry, I've already won this battle. And prophet said, hey, it's already been taken care of. Just march out toward the enemy. They're already defeated. They marched out toward the enemy. And you know who led their army instead of special forces? The praisers. The worshipers led their army. And they saw their, the, the opposing armies driven to confusion and derision. They were defeated, and they never laid a hand on them. They just picked up the spoils afterward. They were defeated just by praise. So I know praise is a weapon. It fights things that you're struggling with. So begin to use praise as a weapon. You say, man, I'm struggling. Just praise God over this situation. Say, man, Lord, the Lord hasn't answered my prayer for that young man or that person in my life or that son or daughter or grandma or 
aunt or uncle or brother or sister, just begin to praise God. Say, I praise you, God, because you hear me. I praise you despite of the situation. I praise you for the situation because you're going to bring your glory through this. I praise you for this, God. I praise you for this time now that I can call on your name. I praise you for this time that that person can call on your name in the midst of this trial. So real praise is a decision. It's faith in action. It's a season changer. And it's a weapon. Use it as such. Use it today. Commit to praise God. I found this. I want to read it to you. It's entitled Life Praise. Life and the essence of it. Bittersweet, but we should gratefully love it. Sweeping masterful highs and lows. It's a symphony made by God for you and me. A feast of wonder and pain and roaring thunder. Point on successes and laughable or tragic blunders. My history, your history, all of creation, God's stunning mystery. Days of purpose and understanding, growth in a time that's demanding. I can still praise the unequaled one, God Most High, Father, Spirit, Son. He reminds me that the desert speaks the loudest to those traversing its length. A trial by fire and wind and thirst, a genuine test of our strength. His words are my durable, immovable foundation, so I'll gratefully thank him again and again. Enduring praise all of my days, I see God's plan through the blinding haze and the endless maze. In his promises, I stand amazed. God is with you. God is for you. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. So you need to praise him today. You need to praise your king today. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes.